Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, uh, yesterday was Wednesday, and we started off with our girlfriend Vinny and her socially conscious segment. And they gave us some socially conscious news that really made you want to think about your life and especially the lives of young people. But before we get there, before we get there, Vivian talked about this new Affordable Housing American Rescue Plan Act. Now, out of Georgia, it's there, and what it how it's designed is those who are service workers, yes, such as teachers, because a teacher in Georgia is actually one who's going to be participating in the program. Well, they're building on about six lots, and they're putting $500,000 into this program, and you as an individual must meet all the financial criteria as well as put in 200 hours of sweat equity. Now, what does that mean? That means that you must not only meet the criteria of, you know, whatever they're asking, you know, within the financials, you know, so you can't make over a certain amount of money, and you must put into this project your own blood, sweat, and tears. Yep. Now, this is one of the, I don't think there's a program, really an official program like this, or there hasn't been. It's been a big secret. But listen, I put a green stamp on this project because the the, the, the mentality of a lot of people who are in these programs, especially especially like a housing program, like a project, in other words, 
They don't care about where they live. They don't care. We, listen, if you live in New York City and if you ever been in the project, a lot of people, not everybody now, not everybody, so don't be calling the past step later, you know, screaming at me. But a lot of people, and even regular renters, if you don't, if you don't, if it's not yours, they don't take care of it the same. No. And this way, it'll be like a homeowner. You know, when you see those of us who own homes, you know, you're sweeping your outside and, you know, you're caring for the ground and, you know, you're taking care of things because you know if it's not taken care of, it's on you to repair or people gonna frown on you when your house don't look as well and nice as theirs does. Well, that's the hope. The hope is that if you put your hand into the grip of this building or home or whatever it is, that you would care for it better after you live in it. I say absolutely. They need to put a whole lot of programs into place like this. Into, no, that's not right. They should put this to a whole lot of other housing like this. That's what I want to say. That's what I want to say. All right, so, you know, I say let's do it, let's do it, and let's do it. Okay, well, on the other side of things, you have Vivian's socially conscious articles that talk about lonely women. And they're saying that they have officially stamped loneliness as an epidemic. Can you imagine that? That's how many people they say are experiencing loneliness and they're trying to really raise awareness about this. Now, here's, here's, the, here's the saddest part about this thing. They're saying the hardest hit are the 15 through 24 year olds. And they're finding that they're experiencing these loneliness um, episodes or feelings or lifestyle, pretty much you call it an epidemic, because they're not more involved in community organizations and um, community programs, church, and family. And listen, if you pay attention, they are into their phones and the devices. They don't interact the way they used to. You try to force them when they're sitting at a table with 15 people to actually put the phone away or put the device away. And you would think that with all the people in the world that, you know, you would not experience loneliness. Well, those are our babies. 15 to 24 year olds. Listen, those are the, I mean, crucial years that you know, they need to be up, about, interacting, you know, pressing their way towards, you know, seeing what the things that they like, the things that they don't like, you know, the things that they are good at. So we've got a problem if they're not doing those things because now the loneliness, the anxiety, the depression actually begins to kick in. So We've got to raise the awareness within the church. Yeah. What are we doing within the church 
to help these 15 through 24-year-olds. Now, here's what I'm saying. I say go back. Your babies, the babies in church, those little toddlers, those little people, those seven, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, no, you need to start then when they're children, younger children, because by the time they get to be 15 years old, where this whole loneliness thing is starting to set in, hey, you'll have less of that, right? You know, not only that, let's talk about this family thing. You know, family is, that's the nucleus of your life. Yeah. You know, family, church, that's supposed to be the center of everything because you really can't live without family and church. And I mean live. Well, clearly, I'm not wrong. The statistics show. So all that time when you thought it was fine for us to ignore the fact that they stayed in their room a little bit longer, when we ignored the fact that they played that game a little longer, or they were on that device a little longer, no. Now we have to start paying attention to things, okay? So let's get out of that. Let's get them to that table. Let's sit down. Let's eat. Let's talk. Let's interact. That's what happened to the board game. Oh, my goodness. When I was growing up, my sister and I, my parents played games with us. Man, that's how I end up loving Othello. Oh, my goodness. Now, that was only a two-man game. That's not what I'm talking about. But you get my point, right? Right. Pull out those board games. Get that Uno on the table. Yo, we have so much fun when we're playing board games. That's interactive. Forget these stupid phones and, you know, all of these things that they do on the phone. And no, get your children interacting with you. Stop sending them to only interact with that game, which is a one-on-one, or with their quote-unquote friends. That's fine because it's still interactive, but home and church. And make sure the time you spend at church is interactive as well. Start doing more stuff together. Yeah. Come on, come on. Just cook. It's the summertime. Barbecue together. Do something. We need to make sure our, our children, our young people, are not falling into loneliness, anxiety, or depression. What kind of mess is this? We've got everything to live for. So come on, come on, come on. We got work to do. We got work do, all right? That's how we spent our Wednesday. Well, today, today is Therapeutic Thursday, the day we talk about our health, whether it's physical health, emotional health, mental health, uh, what is it, spiritual health, financial health, whatever health, you know how it's due to have to self, you know, how we get down. We talk about everything. Well, we've got a guest today, and I don't think I want to call her a guest anymore. That's my girl, Minister Anna Baez. Yes, well, she's written a book, and I just got finished reading the table of contents, and oh my, oh my. Now, you got to go back. You got to go back, and I'll tell you how and how to go back, okay? So, we're not going to talk any longer. 
because I've got some, what do you call that thing? I've got some help. I've got some help, stuff to talk about this morning before we get our uh, Minister Anna on. So let's go get that healthy breakfast. Let's go tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back. Patients who are undergoing cataract surgery have different needs and different expectations and um, different levels of desire to be independent from eyeglasses. And we have different options for these patients. Um, The premium distance package would include um, fine-tuning the lens power during surgery using wavefront aberometry. Um, It may include Limbal relaxing incisions done by laser to treat astigmatism. It might include uh, special lenses that correct astigmatism. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph, and it is Therapeutic Thursday, the day we talk about our health. And we're going to have a short day today, actually, so make sure you grab that friend and let them know that is due time with Pastor Steph is on, and it's live. You know, yeah, we can go back and listen to the replay, but nothing like live, all right? So I got some uh, some health information to talk about, and it's a news article that I came across a minute ago, <clears throat> excuse me, and I thought it was really interesting, so I kind of flagged it. You know, we were talking about in church one day, um, you know, alcohol consumption. And, you know, those people, you know, who talk about, you know, uh, it's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk. Um, The Bible says this about drinking. The Bible says that about drinking. Um, You know, Jesus turned water into wine. Like, Jesus was getting people drunk. You know, stop, please, please, please. Please stop. Please, 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 please. Well, I just got finished stumbling across a an interesting article that tells us that any, any, did I say any, A-N-Y, any amount of alcohol could increase your risk of over 60 diseases. Yes. Okay. Now, this is according to a new research that was 
posted in the journal Nature Medicine. And they said that they found that even occasional drinkers were at a higher risk for certain conditions. And they're saying that alcohol consumption is adversely related to a much wider range of diseases than what was previously found. And they're saying that it's those casual drinkers that are actually being affected the most. Now, that makes sense because if you're drinking more often in smaller amounts, it's probably worse than people who go out once a month and get drunk because you're actually tainting your body over a period of time, right? Wouldn't that make sense? Okay, that's just how stuff. Well, they said 512,000 participants, 41% were men. They were recruited in 10 different areas. And 33% of those men admitted to consuming alcohol at least once per week, while only 2% of women said that they were regular drinkers. So they're doing a pretty thorough, you know, what do you call it? Survey. Okay. Now, they say among the male drinkers, 62% reported drinking daily and 37% confessed to engaging in heavy episodic drinking. So they watched this for over 12 years. Yeah. And they said that they found that drinking alcohol was associated with an increased risk of 61 diseases for men. And they said of those 28 ailments, that had already been tied to esophageal cancer, liver disease, and diabetes. Now, if you go back, that's one of our common findings, right? Because remember, the alcohol, they say if you want to keep the diabetes down, stop drinking because alcohol brings uh, has a lot of sugar in it. Remember, esophageal cancer, all that stuff burning your throat and liver disease. Well, we always, you know, know that people who drink, you know, can get cirrhosis of the liver. So it makes sense. It makes every bit of sense. They say now the remaining 33 had not been established as drinking-related illnesses, including stomach, lung cancer, gastric ulcers, and gout. Now, they said certain drinking patterns, excuse me, like drinking every day <laughs> or binge drinking, of course, increase your risk. So, they're saying that Alcohol intake, even in moderation, has been linked to certain cancers, 
and they said, and even in early grades. Now, you, how often do they even pray stuff like that? But they say that people still are throwing back the drinks. Well, that's because, again, I can tell you right now that this here, this piece of information is really not out there. Now, how many people would it really stop? Uh, probably a couple. <laughs> you know people, they always think it ain't, it ain't going to be me. It's not going to be me. So they continue to drink. But I think if people begin, begin to know more, you know, you always have that small percentage that will pay attention and you know they'll stop it's almost like you know every time they come out with something new about tobacco smoke you've got those one or two that stop drinking um i'm sorry stop smoking as much and you know it's just like like ministry you know you you're preaching to a bunch of people Everybody ain't going to get it at the same time. Everybody's not going to stop doing the things that they do at the same time. Everybody's not going to stop, you know, uh, 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 doing the bad thing. You know what I'm saying? It's until it's them. Because, again, nobody thinks it's them. So, like I said, you know, when I, when I looked at the article, it made sense to me. Because, you know, when people, you know, drink on occasion... And how often is your occasion, you know, that occasion is twice a week, three times a week. And, you know, you're doing your little sippy sip. Can't nobody tell you you're not dying. You follow what I'm saying? Because they think it's only a little bit and once in a while and that ain't going to make no difference. And listen, I'm saying we're already at risk of certain diseases just in some of the food we eat. How many times have we read, you know, people have gotten sick from eating tainted food and things that we think, you know, is clean, but it ends up being poisonous to your body? Not only that, I keep saying to people, one thing we do not realize, everybody is not the same. What your body can tolerate, my body cannot tolerate. What I can do, you can't do. You know, have you ever seen, excuse me. Those people, they throw back the drinks and you'll never know they're drunk. And the other ones, they have a couple and they falling all over the place and, you know, bumping into things. They can't talk. You know, they misbehave. That's because the drinking is you know, affecting them differently. So please, 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 you know. And yes, I am talking to God's people because God's people give you those garbage excuses about Jesus and the wine, turning the wine, you know, water to wine and you know, um, you know, you can drink as long as you don't get drunk and you drink moderately. Listen, just cut it out. We already got enough health challenges in our life. So come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's let's get this together, okay? That's one less thing you gotta worry about. That that's the way I look at it. One less thing. Cause look at look at when you take medicine, regular medicine that's prescribed to you for your health issue, and how toxic can that possibly be to your body? So we're not going to ask for health issues, are we? Come on, come on. All right. 
All right. Well, today is Therapeutic Thursday, and, you know, we occasionally have our guests on. And like I said a little while earlier, you know, I don't want to call her a guest because if you go back to Sunday, we had our first sneak peek into our upcoming Breaking the Yoke Women's Conference that's coming up, God says, on July 29th. And we spent that 8.30 to 9 o'clock time just chatting and talking about it and, you know, getting even more excited about it than we have been. And from the 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock hour, we spent praying and, you know, talking together and, you know, talking about the men of the Bible and why we need to pray for our men today and how our men parallel, you know, their lives parallel the lives of those men, you know, from biblical times. And she was an excellent, excellent partner. Yeah, I don't want to call her guest because she was great. She was great. You know, Pastor Steph, I'm never reading from the script, so I have no idea what I'm going to say, but boy, did she keep up. Well, she's written a book, and this was already planned from last month, so I had no idea how much of a gem she actually was. So I'm not going to talk any longer because I know y'all want to hear from our minister, Anna Bias. So let's say good morning to Minister Anna. Good morning, Minister Anna. Good morning. Good morning, Pastor Steph and everyone listening. God bless you guys. It's an honor to be here. I'm excited. Uh, and excited to have you on this morning. Now, before I go any further, <clears throat> excuse me, let me remind all of you, today is a shorter show. So you don't want to delay calling up your friends, texting somebody to let them know what's going on over here this morning on a due time with Pastor Steph. And Minister Anna Baez, I want to give you an opportunity to just tell everybody who you are. All righty. So uh, I always say this when they tell me to introduce myself. I am first and foremost a servant of Jesus Christ. Um, I'm a servant. I'm a follower of God. Um, I am a wife. I am a mother of three boys. I'm also an award-winning author, an international chaplain, and a minister. And all glory to God for these titles. I really don't care about titles, as I said on Sunday, uh, but God was pleased to give them to me. But I always call myself a servant because before anything, I am a disciple, and I am just here to do God's will and just have his way here on earth, right? Do his will here on earth. So that's that's who I am. All righty, all righty. Well, we got a chance to get that nice little introduction on Sunday. How did you enjoy Sunday's, you know, time we spent together? <laughs> oh, man, it was amazing. It, it was such a great time. I had such a good time, and, and it felt just like I was home. It felt very comfortable. Um, God was definitely in the midst of that conversation, 
and and everything that we were speaking about. You know, God is just amazing. But I had a great time. It was an honor to serve and and just to be a part. So I want to thank you again, Pastor Steph, for having me and and just. It was an honor to, to serve alongside with you. Well, thank you very much. And, again, I had such an enjoyable time. You know, and, again, I want to remind everybody that I have not physically met a lot of our guests. Most of our guests I've never physically met. And Minister Anna is a hometown hometown girl. She's here in New York with me, so I'm really excited about that because I'll get an opportunity to physically meet her on the 29th, but I didn't feel like I had met her person to person at all. So, you know, when you have those kind of experiences, it's an, it, it, it just enhances your joy in the Lord because He knows how to put us together. So, I, I, I really had a fantastic time. So, this award-winning author is on with us this morning. So, tell us about your book. So, my book, the title is From Existing to Living, um, How to Discover Your Worth in God and Live a Victorious Life. It was published in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic. God was like, you're going to write a book. And I'm like, in the middle of the pandemic, I'm going to write a book. So that's exactly what I did. So God is so good. The book was written in one month, um, only God. And it was published um, in, in the same year, 2020. Uh, the book was also translated in Spanish in 2021. So I do have it in Spanish as well. And um, it was also translated in Urdu language. So it was published in Pakistan as well in 2022. Oh. So 2020 published, 2021 translated, and 2022 published in Pakistan. So that right there is truly an honor to know that my book, you know, that other, my book is in other nations, you know, to God be all the glory. Only God can do something like that. It was never in my plans, but it was in his. So this book uh, basically talks about um, what it is to be living. What Some people are believers, but they're really just existing. They're not really living their, their, their life, you know, um, the way God intended for them to live their life, you know. And also, if you're an unbeliever, the truth of the matter is that you are really not living. You're just existing. So in the book, I speak about my testimony before I came to Christ. The things that I would do to fill the void that I had, um, I would try to fill the void. You know, I, I grew up without a father, so I was seeking to fill that void in all the wrong places, uh, using drugs, going clubbing, uh, drinking every weekend. Uh, I was promiscuous, you know, um, all of these things I was doing because I was seeking for something without even knowing that I was. So in the book, I, I speak about that, the things that I did, what God did, how he met me um, in that season. And, and, and I speak about, you know, the book is about how, what to do to surrender to Christ. Why do you need to surrender to Christ? I speak about who God is, uh, the consequences of not surrendering to God, and also the benefits, because if I'm going to speak of the consequences, I also want to speak about the benefits. We have a lot of benefits when we come to Christ. There's a, there's a package of benefits when we come to Christ. So that's, that's really what the book is about. 
Wow. Well, how, how is this a telephone book size? Because, <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that stuff all day long. You know, I always, I always say, Minister Anna, to people, you know, death would be a favor. Physical death would be a favor sometimes when mm-hmm. you think about how miserable um, some people's lives are because, right. again, like you said, they're just existing. I call it the walking dead. You know, you think yes. you're living. How many times have we spoken about, um, you know, coming to Christ? We've told people, you know, if you come over to Christ, you know, he, he can change your life, blah, blah, blah. And the first thing mm-hmm. you say is, I don't want to come to God yet. I don't want to, you know, give my life to Christ mm-hmm. yet. I want to live. And I'm like, yo, mm-hmm. you don't even know. You ain't living. Good, right. as you say, existing. Now, right. I was looking at, well, basically, even, even in your introduction, I was like, well, wow, okay. I was looking through your table of contents, and I was like, wow, this is really um, some strong stuff here. And I'm like, if she's talking about this stuff, she really has definitely, you know, tapped into some ministry into our lives. So one of the things I saw that actually everything piqued my attention, but I want to try to touch on a few of them. And um, let's see. Hmm. The importance of surrendering. Mm -hmm. Now, we talk about that all the time in ministry, period you know, giving your life okay. to the Lord. When I do my closing, you know, I always say, you know, please don't miss this opportunity to give your life to Christ. And that's that surrender you're talking about. Let, why why mm-hmm. are we, let's, let's talk on a lot of these little, your topics just briefly to give them just a taste and make them want to go buy the book. And later on, mm-hmm. we'll, you know, we'll give you all an opportunity to find out how you can get the book. But the surrendering to God, why is that so important, Minister Anna? So one of the things that I do want to mention that I also mentioned in that, in that chapter, which is chapter two, is there's a difference between the word, the word submitting and surrendering. They sound the same, but they're not. You know, when we, every time we hear the word submitting, let's, let's be real, we all cringe. Submission <laughs> is a word that we all try to run away from because in order for you to submit to something or someone, you have to put your, your desires aside and basically submit to that person, right? So it's no longer you doing what you want to do, but su- uh, submitting to someone else's authority, I want to say, right? So we, as human beings, we are, we, we are control freaks. Right? We want to have control over everything. We want to be in control over our lives. We want to be in control over the decisions that we make, everything that we do. And when we, when we think about submitting to the Lord, it's a little scary because you start thinking, okay, I'm not going to – it feels like as if you lost control completely of your life. Because think about it. We're, we're talking about a God that we cannot see. God is spirit. So this walk is – a walk by faith. You have to have faith to believe in Jesus Christ. So that means that you, you're not, you can't see him. You can feel him definitely, but you cannot see him. 
So that's a little scary. You know, it was scary to me in the beginning. Okay, I'm going to submit completely to this God that I don't see, trusting, putting my complete trust in him, trusting that he is going to guide me, that he is, um, that he has my best interest at heart. I, I don't even know who, who this guy is. This is me in the beginning. You know, so it was very scary. So I want to touch on those two words, that submitting is a choice. And it is when we are willing, and I'm reading from the book, we're willing to do something conscious, um, consciously, right? Surrendering is something that just happens. So in order for you to surrender to God, you have to submit to God's will first. That comes first. When you submit to God's will, then you automatically surrender. So those two words are two different things. And it's very important to, to surrender to the will of God because God has so much in store for us. We don't even, when, when we surrender to God, we, are, we begin to live, really live that life that God has for us. But in order for us to really find out what is that life, we have to really trust God. We have to know, again, that he is God, that he is there, that Jesus Christ is the only God, that he resurrected on the third day, that he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. We have to believe these things. Because, again, we have to trust, right, that when we surrender to God, that he is who he says he is. And that comes by faith. So in order for us to know the life that God created for us, we have to spend a lot of time with God. We have to spend time with him in prayer. We have to spend time with him in the word, right? Because if we don't, we're not going to get to know who God is. The minute we get to know who God is and we know his mind and his heart, it'll be easy to surrender completely to him. Okay, now you didn't open up something as you're talking. Um, I love the the connection. I love the the, the 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 defining of the submit and surrender, and I love the connection that you made. Now, this is a an autobiography, pretty much, and yeah. we're talking about you know you just said a minute ago. You know, I was doing this, I was living this way, I was doing that. And let's talk about you, you know, a, a little closer because, you know, when we talk about, you know, you need to submit and surrender and da 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 you know, you always have people, oh, you don't understand, you don't get it, you don't know my life. And I don't know why people believe that, you know, we just got here. You know, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. we just woke up one day, and we just got here, where we're able to preach and minister. And no, that ain't an easy journey. You know, we we right. went through some things, and that's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. we're having this conference to to really let people know this is where we come from. And right. you know, with you said, you know, the submitting and surrendering. You know, what happened with you that made you submit and surrender to God. What was that? What was the turning point that made you get there? Because again, people are thinking, you know, God doesn't want me. You know, I'm too dirty. You know, I, 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 my my sins are too great. But what happened with you at that peak that said, I, I, I can't do this no more. I cannot continue to exist anymore. Just exist anymore. Right. So with me, before I came to Christ, as I stated before, I did all of these things, right? I was promiscuous. 
Um, I didn't have a father growing up. That created a void. When you don't have uh, an important role in your life, it creates a void. And, from, and we don't know. We're, we're not even – we have no knowledge of it at times, right? So I started seeking these things, right, and, and trying to – I was asking – I was actually – uh, screaming out for help without even knowing. I was screaming out for help without saying anything. I was seeking God in the wrong places. I even got into a domestic violence relationship, and I was tired. I was tired of doing all of these things and coming back home and getting up in the morning, being Anna, and going to, cl- going to the clubs and drinking and smoking and all, doing all of these things, having sex with these guys and coming back home and waking up, and I was the same person that I was that morning. So I did these things only to fill my void temporarily. It was not even permanent. It was something temporary. It was just something that I needed to do because I thought that it was the right thing to do at the time. It made me feel good. My flesh liked it. I, I, I was enjoying myself. It helped me forget what I was going through in life for that moment. But the minute I went back home, I was a, still the same Anna. I was still empty. I, I was still uh, uh, needing something to fill that void. It was, I was not complete. So I got tired. I got tired of, I remember going to places and, and, just an example, waiting for the bus at the bus stop or taking the train and then walking down the street and always someone preaching to me about Jesus. That's when I knew that God was calling me. God was calling me. Everywhere I would go, God would just talk to me through someone. And it took years for me to definitely surrender. It took years. I tell God all the time, Lord, Thank you for your patience because I don't even know how long you were waiting. I'm sure you were waiting for years for me to get it together. But I was tired of just, right, I was tired of of living this life. I'm like, there has to be something else to this. This this cannot be life. This cannot be life. I have to do something in life. And and it always felt that there was something missing. Like, there's something that is missing, that is not, all of these things are not filling that void. All of these things are not satisfying me. I still feel empty. So I, I, that's when I said to myself, I have to change. I want to try God. Let me try God. Let me see if he is who people say he is. Let me see if he is the only one that can complete me com- completely. Let's see. Let me give this a shot. I was tired of living the way I was living. So things do not change until you get tired because you cannot get different results doing the same thing. And I understood that. I was doing the same thing over and over again and not getting the results that I was looking for. So if you're not getting the results that you're looking for, change what you're doing. Change your mentality. Change your actions. When you change the things that you're doing, then you will get the results that you're looking for. But if you continue, if you continue to do the same things and you're still in the same place, you're doing something wrong. So I understood that. So I said, let me change this. Let me not be this person anymore. And I started going to church and I gave my life to Christ. And this happened in 2008 where I gave my life to Christ, meaning I confessed with my lips that Jesus is Lord and I accepted him. But it wasn't until three years later in 2011 that I really surrendered to God. I gave my life to Christ in 2008, but I surrendered completely in 2011. Because in 2011, that's when I had an encounter with the Lord. 
a personal encounter with God. So things do not change until you have an encounter with Jesus. When you have an encounter with Jesus yourself, no one can tell you nothing else because that is your encounter with God. So it's not no right from wrong or there's no right and wrong answer here. That's your testimony. You encounter God yourself. So it's not until you encounter God yourself that things don't begin to change. When you encounter God yourself, this is when you start changing. You will not go back. So that's how I came to Christ. Wow, wow, wow. You, as you were talking, I was like, wow, okay. So I'm looking at another another one of your chapters. So you talked about, okay, you know what? I was tired. Because I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. That's, how we all, that's how we all ended up here. Because we got sick yep. and tired of being sick and tired. And you just say, you know what? Okay, I didn't did X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. could be a major thing because X, Y, and Z is not the same for everybody. But it's your sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when you know, there's a delay. You know, there's a delay a lot of times when we are contemplating. You know, when we're trying to figure it out and work it out and in our head, and then we didn't sometimes made a mistake and talk to other people, and, you know, they're going to throw in their two cents, you know, you don't need it, or everybody says that, or you really think it's going to be different, you know, so sometimes we make that mistake of sharing what, you know, God is giving us with other people, but one of the things I wanted to talk about, based on what you're saying, are the consequences of not surrendering. Because, you know, we we definitely are walking into a danger zone. That stop, 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 that alarm that mm-hmm. goes off, you know, that, and I know I'm jumping around. I know you may have written it in sequence, but I'm kind of moving around based on what you're saying. Um, so, uh, pardon me, mm-hmm. I'm not going in, in, you know, one, two, three. No, you're that. good. You're, you're good, Pastor. Um, well, thank you very much. Um, you know, when you're talking about, you know, you got tired. I mean, at what point did you think about the consequences? Was it after you started suffering the consequences or when was it? It was after. It was after. Mm-hmm. And I want to I wanna touch on something that I wrote in the book that when I wrote, when God told me to write that in the book, I struggled with God. I, I wrestled with God. I was like, Lord, this is a little too personal. Um, um, this is, I don't know if I should really write this. And he kept telling me this is going to help people, so you need to write it. You need to be transparent. It took everything for me to write this on the book because it's being completely naked in front of people and transparent. But right. I know it's going to help people. So after I faced the consequences was when I said, I got to get it together. I remember I was so promiscuous, right? And and I have no shame in this because that was who I was before. That's not who I am now. So this, I like to talk about this because it gives God all the glory. It gives him all the glory. And it shows people that God is real. God is real. This is what God did. This is not what Anna did. This is what God did. So before I came to Christ, I was promiscuous. I would sleep around with a lot of guys. A lot of guys, sometimes I would not even know when I wake up, who's the guy next to me? That's how bad it was. That's where God took me out of. So I remember going to clinics to get uh, tested for STDs. 
And I remember very clear how scared I was every time I would sit in the clinic waiting for my HIV results, how scary that was. Why was I so scared? Because I know that I was doing things that I wasn't supposed to do, that I was wild, that I was living a life like as if I was invincible, you know, like like I, I, I was like nothing was going to happen to me. I was living a wild life. So I said, I said to myself, this is not right. This is crazy. How I'm scared to get those results. How I'm scared to get the other STD results as well. You know, I, when I got into a domestic violence relationship, this guy almost killed me. And I'm here now but by the grace of God. These are the consequences that I, these are the things that I went through, right, the consequences of my actions that led me to the path that I am in now with Christ. Because God saved me from domestic violence. God saved me even from, 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 from uh, teenage parenting. I was a uh, teenager mother. I was a teenage mother. I became a mother at the age of 16. God was with me there in that season. He was with me in the domestic violence season. He was with me when I was in shelters with my kids. I ended up in two different shelters with my, my, my two oldest kids. They were little at that time. But it was just me and the kids from shelter to shelter. God took me out of those things, out of the, that dark season. So those were the consequences of the things that I was doing. So I said, you know what, I have kids. I have to think about my boys. This is what I talk about in the book, too, in that chapter. What are the consequences, right? Well, your kids, your children suffer because of your disobedience to God. You might not think that they do. Maybe they're not suffering now, but they will. But they will. So the consequences are your children are going to be affected by your disobedience to God. Your children's children will be affected by your disobedience to God. The family members that are around you will be affected as well because somebody needs to preach to them. It takes somebody from the family to say yes to the Lord so that everyone else can follow. So what are they, if they don't hear anyone preaching to them like from the family, how are they going to come to Christ? So it takes one person. So that's, that's definitely the con- one of the consequences that, that we, we face when we don't surrender to God. Wow, wow, wow. You just slid into the next uh, area that I wanted to talk about, you know, but uh, let's stay there, you know, let's stay here for a minute. You know, we, the, the saddest part, um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something. I'm going to share something. You know, I, I said yesterday, I was telling, you know, the listeners that my daughter got into a car accident. And mm-hmm. one of the things I said to her was, do you understand why you're here? And she said, yes. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about that. And she's one of the 20, she's 24. And yesterday we had um, Vivian who gave us a, a segment of or just a little tip of, you know, loneliness. It's, a, it's an epidemic now, they're calling it, and it's striking our 15 to 24-year-olds. And mm-hmm. I'm saying this for with, with where you are right now. We're, we're in a season, Anna, where God has got to punish us earlier in life. 
Because if mm-hmm. he doesn't, it allows us to live, what will our living be like? Because we'll, 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 we'll kind of go through life thinking that the things we do have no consequences. You know, right. we don't, we, I don't think people understand that when God chooses you, when he picks Anna, when he picks Stephanie, when he picks Mary, when he picks John, he has he's distinctly chosen you. There are still people while he's choosing you who are lost. But in this mm-hmm. season, he's chosen you. Now, he's choosing our people younger and younger, our young people younger and younger, I should say, because he needs them to get it now. Like you yes. said, if we don't make the right decisions, we don't realize the footprint we've left in their life. So now God understands that footprint that has been left in their life, and now he's giving them an opportunity to make the right choice so that they don't have a footprint that's left in someone else's life. Am I making right. sense? Absolutely. Now, it, 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 the, the, the thing about it is, when he chooses you, and I'm going back to something you said, you know when God is dealing with you. You know when God is plucking at you. You know, you may not want to admit it, but you know that God mm-hmm. is, is after you. So when God says, hey, I've chosen you, and you realize that God has chosen you, and you decide to do what you want to do, that's when you now fall into that consequence area. Because the things that you're going to do, the things that you do, if it's contrary to God, you're going to have to eat that. Now, God tells us in his word that I don't even deal with you according to your iniquities. How great is our God? Because, oh, my God, if, if we can't handle what we get, Minister Anna, could we really handle if God were to smash us the way we need to be smashed. So I brought exactly. out about my daughter because of what you're saying now. You're saying I had to come to a realization that I was dealing with some consequences, and my consequences are lasting, number one, because there are things mm-hmm. I, I can say, I, you know, I have messed up in areas that I had to eat, and I'm still eating now. Because I just didn't do right. I just didn't right. listen to God. And that's one of the things that we try to get across to other people. You know, we're, we've lived this thing here. You know what I'm saying? And yes. it's not just going to be you. And understand that God is there going to be a consequence. If we're in right standing with God, we may have occurrences in our lives, but we won't have consequences in our lives. You know, it, it's not going to work the same. It's not for the same reason, which is why, Minister Anna, I can't stand that phrase, everything happens for a reason, because that's people kind of I cannot stand it either. I don't like that. Oh, yeah, I, that amen. Hey, see, that's what I tell you. We're tender spirits. I can't stand it, because, see, people don't understand consequences are consequences. And, and I love the fact that you walked into, you know what, I had to look at my kids and I had to say, if I don't stop doing what I'm doing, other people 
are going to fall because of me. Now I'm looking at one of your um one of your one of your chapters, disobedience affects others. And I say that to people mm-hmm. all the time. It doesn't it's not just contained to who you are because right. now there's a trickling effect. So right. let's talk about that for a little bit. So the diso- your disobedience affects others. As I stated earlier, the disobedience, your disobedience to the Lord affects your children. It affects generations to come. Um, why? Because, again, you know, you're not doing what you're supposed to do to break that generational curse. It's a generational curse, right? So it also affects your family members, those around you. It affects even strangers. Neighbors. Why do I say that? Because again, somebody is waiting for someone, right, to to give them that that the key to their prison doors, and you can be that person. You can be that person. And and I want to touch on something that you said, Pastor Steph, earlier. Um, you said we all know when God is calling us. It doesn't matter if you're an unbeliever listening to this right now. But you know that God is real. You know when God is calling you. You know when God is nudging on you. When we were created, when God created humanity, when he made Adam and Eve, going back to Genesis, he created humanity so that we can be with him, so that we can dwell with him, so that we can spend time with him in his presence, like face to face, so that we may spend time with him and just dwell with him and live with him and talk with him and be with him. That's how we, that's how everything was supposed to happen before the fall, right? So we have, we know deep down inside, our soul knows that God, when God is calling us, our soul yearns for God, even when we don't know that we are really yearning for God, right? So that, that's something that I want to mention because we all know when God is calling us. And that's something that happened with me. I knew that there was a nudging, that there was something, that God was, it had to be God. It had to be God calling me because everywhere I would go, somebody was preaching about Jesus. Everywhere. And I would run. I would run and try to, like, I don't want to hear it. And here I am now by the grace of God. So your disobedience definitely affects you. And you have to go through consequences for your actions. It affects your children. Why? Because they're watching you. They're watching you. You know, children learn by what they see. It's not by what you tell them. It's by what they see, learned behavior. So if they see you living a life in disobedience to the Lord, they're going to follow you. They're going to think that it's, the right, it, it, it's okay to be promiscuous. They're going to think that it's okay to do drugs. They're going to think that it's okay to, to drink until you pass out. They're going to think it's okay to go clubbing every weekend and not even care, care about life and live an invincible life. They're going to think that it's okay. Why? Because they saw mom and dad do it. So that, you're already affecting them, right? So their children, their generations to come, the same thing. It's a domino effect. And then the family members, like I say that because... When I gave my life to Christ and I decided to really surrender to the Lord and live for him, which was in 2011, after I had that encounter with the Lord, I never went back. I did not. I can honestly, everybody's journey is different. I hear people, a lot of people say, well, it was so hard for me to stop drinking. It was so hard for me to stop cursing. It was so hard for me to stop listening to worldly music. It was so hard. I can honestly say 
I, it, for me, it wasn't hard. I was so hungry for Christ that when I encountered him, that was it for me. No one was able to turn, to, to turn me against God. You know, when you are disobedient to the Lord, you are an enemy of God. The Bible says that if you're not with God, you're an enemy of God. So I understood Amen. that I was an enemy of the Lord. I was being disobedient. I was an enemy to him without even knowing that I was. So I never went back. I stopped listening to, listening to worldly music. I stopped all of these things. Automatically, the desires that I had before when I was in the world, they left because I was willing. You have to have a willing heart to change. Otherwise, you will not change because God needs your help with that. That's when he needs your help. He doesn't need your help with other things. That's when he needs your help. That's when he needs you to help him. Because if you don't have a willing heart, you're not going to be able to change. So the consequences are those, right? The, the people around you are affected. When I came to Christ, my family came to Christ. After I gave my life to Christ, it took four years for my sister to surrender to God, but she did. It took five years for my sister my mother to surrender to God, but she did. My, my, my children, my son that's in the army now, 21 years old, he just reconciled with the Lord. Why I say this because it, it, it to show you that it takes you to surrender to God for everyone else to follow you. Thank God because of my obedience to the Lord, and I give God all the glory because only the glory belongs to him. I say yes to God, and my family are serving him now. And there's still more waiting. I'm still waiting for more to surrender to God. But I'm going to wait. I'm going to fight the good fight because God has promises for my family. Amen, amen, amen. I don't think we realize how effective we are. I don't think we understand right. that. And same way, okay, so let's go back, you know, let's go back. Okay, so, you know, you have this, these, these angels in heaven, and they now, you know, Lucifer, he wars against God, and not only is he cast out, but he's casted out with a, a, a host of, other angels who were disobedient, who followed him. We do have the influence, period, whether we're doing something good or whether we're doing something bad. We have that influence over people. So we want to make sure that we're not being charged with, you know, people not coming to Christ. Because remember now, we always have to think about God is using me. And I really, you know, I don't think a lot of people understand, Minister Anna, that God is choosing you for your level of influence as well, not just for your life. Like you said, this is so others come to Christ. Our charge as Christian people, we have one charge, and that is to go out and disciple so that others can come in and then they can go out and disciple. And, and a lot of the world chaos is because mm -hmm. we can't figure out whether we are on one side of the fence or the other. And I want right. to talk about that for a little while because, you know, we're talking about, you know, our disobedience, our influence, and, you know, a lot of the things that are going on out here, if the people who call themselves Christians, believers, if we were to stand up and we were to do what we're supposed to do, 
then more people would come to Christ. And, you know, people don't understand that our experiences, God allows these things or sometimes cause these things so that we can be a minister. You know, if you've been to jail, you can now minister to people who have been in jail quicker than I could because I don't know those people. I don't know that life. I don't know what it feels like. I don't know what you experience. If you're a criminal, you can minister to people stronger because you understand that criminal mentality. You can reach those people quicker than I can. You and I could minister to single mothers, you know, young mothers, Mm -hmm. quicker than men could or other, you know, people because we have that experience. So I want us to talk about that for a little while, how, you know, whatever you're going through, God is going to use that to draw others to him. Let's take a pin there for a minute. Yes. I like, I want to talk about that. This is very important because sometimes we think that everything that we go through in life, right, um, it's only for us. Yes, of course, we go through things and we learn from them, right? We, we, we're supposed to, there's lessons there hidden to learn from. And not only that, God molds us, our character in the middle of that trial. Uh, we learn patience. We learn all these fruits of the spirit that, that, the fruits of the spirit that only that can only be developed in a trial because the fruits of the spirit can only be developed in a trial when we can't sit here and say oh have patience how did you get that patience in your trial it is in your trial that you learn to have patience because you have no choice sometimes we don't have a choice we have to learn we have to let go of the control let god take control so in your trials, you get all these fruits of the Spirit. So you learn. You definitely benefit from the trials, right? That's why the Bible says rejoice when you're going through stuff. And I'm paraphrasing. Rejoice because it, it is in that trial that you're learning things, right? So we learn things. We, we, our, our characters are molded. You know, we become more like Christ. And this is for the believer, right? We become more like Christ and so forth. But we forget that that is not only for us. Everything we go through, we're going through it for it to be a testimony unto others. There's a person that God is going to allow for you to encounter with the same trial so that you may be able to help them. Now you're able to tell the person, oh, I've been there. Let me tell you about my God. Right. Let me it tell is. you about the God that provides. Let me tell you about the God that heals. Let me tell you about the, about the God that restores. Now you're able to minister to this person with your testimony, because you already went through that. You've been there, you've done that, and now you are, you're you're going to be able to help that person. And then that person, this is how we make disciples, right? That person will hear you out and say, wow, oh my God, thank you for this. Now that person learned something new. She went through that trial. Now she's going to share it with someone else. It's a domino effect, right? This is, we were all created to, we were all created to, to make disciples of all nations. I hear people say a lot, I don't know what's my calling. Well, if that is you, I'm going to tell you right now what your calling is. Your calling is to make disciples. Your calling is to spread the gospel. That's your calling. That's my calling. That's Pastor Steph's calling. That's everybody's calling. Whether you like it or not, that is your calling. Is there something specific that God has for you? Is there an assignment that God has for you that is uniquely for you? Absolutely. But your calling 
is a main calling, right? It's it's the what the Bible says that is that was that's the greatest uh the greatest what is it? Um oh my god. What the greatest the greatest commission. commission. Yes. It's the greatest commission, right? That's how that's your commission, that's my commission. We are to share our testimony with others. Even if we don't want to, sometimes we're selfish, right? We don't want to share our testimonies. But your testimony, again, going back to those keys from prison, are the keys to those people's prison doors. Because those people are in prison without knowing, in a mental prison, right, in a, in a spiritual prison. But you have the keys to that. So it is selfish to say, I'm not going to share what, I'm, what I went through. That's personal. That's, I don't want to share that. What, it's selfish because you're thinking about yourself. You already went through that. You overcame that with the, with the help of God. You learned some things. Now those things are not for you to keep to yourself. Now it's for you to share it to others with others so that they can they can also be uh, overcome it just like you did. And you're only you're not only sharing your testimony, but you're sharing the goodness of God. You are spreading the gospel. You don't need a mic and an altar to preach. Your actions, right. your testimony, your life is a testimony unto others. It is a lifestyle. So sometimes you don't even need to say nothing. You don't need to preach. A lot of people think, oh, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. You don't need to be that, those things. The, the, the trials that you went through that God helped, helped you overcome, right, those, that, that's enough. That testimony is enough. Share with others what God did with you, where God took you out of. Because the minute you start doing that, you're making disciples of all nations. And that is something that we are all supposed to do. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because I say the same thing to people. I don't know my purpose. I don't know my call. I said, listen, you've given your life to Christ. That's the, 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 the first step. Now walk in it. Give your testimony to people. Tell people what God has done for you. And in doing so, it will strengthen. We didn't get here. You know, we, we have a powerful um, due time crew. Minister Anna is, is what, you know, we call them. And when I tell you, they talk. You know what I'm saying? It's like, but nobody starts off like that. You know what I'm saying? Nobody just started off saying, I'm just going to talk. That has to be built because you have to also know what to talk about. You can't talk about everything either. You know, so like you said, those things that you consider private. I remember I went through an experience um, quite a few years ago. And, you know, as I would be speaking to someone, I would almost slip and say it. And I would get mm-hmm. to that point. I'm like, oh, I can't tell them that. I can't tell them that because yeah, I can't let nobody know that I was locked up. And that happened like twice. The third time when I stopped myself, the Lord said, are you crazy? I literally heard mm-hmm. God say to me, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. Tell that story. I gave you that story to tell so that others could be delivered. And I had never heard that from God before. I had never even had that nudging from God before. Never. But that was, like I said, because the first two times, was, oh, I can't tell nobody I was locked up. No. They'll look at me this way. And I remember being in court 
when everything was being shut down and closed, the case was being closed, and I remember the tears would just come, and I just kept saying, God, how did I get here? How did I get here? And the judge said to me, Minister Anna, she said, Miss Griffin, she said, you weren't supposed to be here. I never forget she said this to me. She said, you weren't supposed to be here. And I told you that in the beginning, and she had. The first day she met me, she said, I have a feeling you're not supposed to be in my courtroom. She said, but for whatever the reason is you're here, we got to go through the process. She said, so just walk through it, Miss Griffin. She said, I don't think you're going to, she said, I don't, I don't, nothing's ever come up with you before. I don't think you're going to have a problem. And that same judge, when it was over, she said, I don't know why you were here, but it's, everything is being closed down now. You know what you have to do going forward. I'm proud to say that I said that to you in the beginning, and I can say that to you at the end. And I'm saying this to you because I'm talking to all of you about this to put a stamp on what Minister Anna just got finished saying. Because I didn't know why I was there. She said she didn't know why I was there, but God knew why I was there. And later on, God told me, I gave you that testimony. I need you to tell that story. And I was like, I can't be telling people that this because I got locked up for something stupid like this. And that was a big turning point in my life, Minister Anna. I was like, oh, my God, you really want me to be telling people this? How will I look? And God said, you don't worry about that. Let me worry about that. And here we are today. Here we are today. Here we are today, ministering together with some of the most powerful women of God, telling and letting people know about God. And when you say, you go from existing to living. That that that's the turning point that you're talking about. That's the turning point from hiding, where yes. you just exist because you're hiding. You're hiding stuff. <laughs> you're worried yep. about what you say and what you do. You know, you're existing. You're just existing. You know, um, back then. I had been baptized for about five years, mm-hmm. but I didn't begin to live until after that. Amen. This is why yep. it's so important for us to tell what God has done. It's so important for us to tell about the consequences and how what we do affects others. And I'm just going to stop talking right now so I can let you... Well, um, that's everything that you said. I I agree. You know, when I think that it it becomes easier for us, like you said in the beginning, in the beginning, it's it's not easy for you to just share your testimony with anyone. That takes a lot of of courage, um, especially if it's something that you consider uh, embarrassing or hard to, you know, 
to, to tell people because of a fear of how they're going to look at you and so forth. But I think it becomes easier when, when you um, start getting to know God more. And you, the more you get to know God, the more in love you fall with him. And when you become in love with God for really for who he is, not for the things that he gives us, but for who he is, that's when you start falling in love with the soul. You're not thinking about yourself anymore. Now you're thinking about the soul because you've been there. You've been where they are, right? So you don't want to see the souls getting lost. You don't want the devil to take these souls with him, right? You want to be able to be used. You want to be used by God to save these souls. So at least, at least for me, that's how it happened with me. I fell in love with God. I loved the Lord with all my heart. Like, I loved the Lord. He took me out of so many things, and I can honestly say that I loved him. You know, and I don't, I don't say it a lot. I show him that I love him because God doesn't care what you say. He wants to see obedience. He wants to see how you love me. Show me that you love me for real. You know, how do you show God that you love him when you're in the trial, in a crazy trial, and you still don't leave him? That's, that's love to God, you know? So I fell in love with the Lord, and now I love the souls. I want to be able to be used by God to, to share my testimony and, and to be, you know, I want to be a part of someone's journey. And, and they, they can say, wow, you know, I, I got here because of God. I knew God through this person. Everything that I do for the Lord, I always tell God, my main prayer is, Lord, I don't want these people to see me. I want people to see you, not Anna, but you. Everything that I do, every single thing that I do, that's my main prayer. And I always tell God, I'm not going if you're not there. Amen. 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 Uh, for some reason, Minister Anna dropped. Um, but she's, she'll, she'll call back in. She'll call back in. God is an amazing God. You know, again, when I, <laughs> when I actually reached out to her on Facebook, um, and she, she, she responded almost immediately. And I knew I knew from then, just from her response, how 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 we were going to move forward. But I had no idea that we would click um, so so easily and so quickly. And um, she's back on. She's back on now, and. What I would like you to do, she has a couple of minutes left. Uh, Minister Anna has an, a ministry with women, a, a women's ministry, and I might, you know, I might not be describing it properly, but I want to give her an opportunity to just quickly talk about the, the women's ministry that she has and how God is using her in, in, that, in this manner as well. The Anna? Is she there? Minister Anna? Yes. Okay. All right. I'll please give our listeners 
an opportunity to hear about your women's ministry. Yes, so I basically, um, right now, by the grace of God, I do have a, I do teach Bible study in my church. So I have a group of women that I teach in my church, um, Bible study, and I also have a group of women that I, I don't, I'm not doing the classes anymore because the Lord was like, don't do the classes as of right now, different season, focus in school. Um, But I also give discipleship classes for new believers. I have a passion for the new believer. Um, and for the glory of God, he has, he has given me a gift for the, belief, for the new believer. You know, um, so that's, that's really what I'm about now. And, and my goal is, you know, to, I'm also, I, I just want to mention also so you guys can keep it in prayer. Um, praise God, I was approved to do Bible study in the uh, women correctional facility. So I'm going to be doing that oh. once a month. Oh, yeah, man. I'll be going to walk a month. I'm waiting. I'm I'm asking the Lord. This this has been a, a, a crazy uh, journey <laughs> with the whole correctional facility thing. But God has been confirming year after year that He's going to send me. He's going to send me this year. He's like, you're you're out. You're going out this year to the women's prison. So um, when I became a chaplain, which was recently an international chaplain, that opened the doors to many things, many places that I can go into that a lot of people cannot enter because they, they're not chaplains. So that's my desire was I always wanted to go to the prisons, to go to the hospitals and pray for people and just go. And I didn't want no one telling me, no, you can't come in. Now I have the badge and the credentials. No one can tell me, no, you cannot come in. So now I'm able to bring Jesus everywhere and no one can say anything. So that's a big Amen. privilege. So the first Amen. thing I said, I was like, okay, Lord, this is it. Like, I have to go to the prisons now. So I'm going to be going to the correctional facility. I'm not going to mention the name, but I do need all your prayer. I've been asking the mm-hmm. Lord to send people to help me. As of right now, it's only me. Um, I was supposed to have someone join me from my church, but um, she told me that she's not going to do it. She has a lot on her plate and so forth, so God was telling her not to do it. And God does everything for a reason. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to do this by myself right now. Not by myself because I know the Holy Spirit with me. But my desire and my prayer is that God sends help. I want to do this with someone. So that's what I'm doing now uh, for the glory of God. Amen. You know, it's been my prayer. (laughs) While you got got disconnected, I was telling the listeners how when you responded, I knew we were connected. And it, it's yeah. a lot like uh, Pastor Charlotte. Um, I reached out openly to someone I didn't even know. And God let me to mm-hmm. her name. And she called me mm-hmm. back. And from the first time she returned my, and it was like a month later, she called me back. I was like, who's this lady calling me? I don't know nothing about her. And then I remembered that I had <laughs> actually reached out and left a message for her. And we talked for like an hour and a half, almost two hours that day. And I was like, you know what, mm-hmm. guys? I, from then. And we, 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 we are, I love, I love me some Pastor Charlotte. That is my sister. My sister, my sister, and, and and you are you hit my heart like she did, and I've been praying for years. I even had a program that I that God had given me for mm-hmm. the 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 um, 
to do something with the inmates. And nice. I got wow. an opportunity to pray while I was on a visit one day. And wow. it was such a, yeah, it was, and, and, and the captain actually asked, could she join the, it was the correctional officers who asked me to pray because I went through some stupid search and I was like, y'all know I don't smell mm-hmm. like no weed. It was somebody who had been smoking weed <laughs> right near us. And it was like, okay, everybody mm-hmm. from this point back on, you know, you got to be searched. And I was like, yo, really? Y'all can look at me tell mm-hmm. I ain't smoking no weed. But what I didn't realize, Minister Anna, where they were snatching me up for a reason. Mm-hmm. So after they searched me, I was like, look what y'all did to the pastor. And she was like, you're a pastor, <laughs> seriously? I was like, yeah. And she was like, no, seriously, I was mm-hmm. like, for real. Oh, my God. Yep. Can you pray with us? Mm-hmm. And I, so I was wow. like, for that real? Was, that was like, the purpose. Telling you the story here because we're talking about from existing to living. And you're talking mm-hmm. about how you've been praying and how I had been praying for years. It's got to be like eight years now. And when I got scooped up, I didn't realize why they would scoop it. I was so mad. Because they know I don't smoke no weed. I don't stand on these stupid mm-hmm. people. That's all I like to come over here. I was, oh, I was so angry. And when the lady asked me, she was like, can you pray for us? I was like, seriously? She was wow. like, no, seriously. I said, absolutely. And when I looked, it was eight of them. They were like, come on, because she's going to pray. And the captain was like, well, what are y'all doing? And it was like, mm-hmm. you get ready to pray. She was like, y'all ain't praying without me. This, you, wow. When, when you walk through those doors, Minister Anna, this is existing from existing to living. Now this is yes. a step up that God just opened and gave you keys. He gave you keys mm-hmm. to the kingdom that people don't even realize. It's still the kingdom of God behind the prison walls. It is that's right. The kingdom of God that He has given you keys to, and this ministry that you shared with us Sunday today on the 29th God's Fair's Life, this is what you're going to be take behind the prison walls. Amen. Congratulations. Praise Amen. God. Good for you. Amen. I'm rejoicing with you, my sister, because this is a big movement. I'm going to tell you why. Because what I found out. As a matter of fact, it's over eight years because I was still working, and I haven't worked in over ten years. They were mm-hmm. saying how I spoke to one of the people who um, kind of give you the approval, and they were telling me how it had shifted, how it had become so prejudicial. It was so they were so prejudiced. All they were letting in were the Catholics with a priest. Mm-hmm. And wow. I said to the lady, I said, it's all right. It's only a matter of time. So here it is, not just a minister who is not, who is not um, a, 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 a Catholic, but a female, a female where minorities, you're in a minority in this world, and look at who God has just put behind the prison walls. So I'm so glad I I gave you that opportunity in our closing. I want you to just tell everybody about your new book and how to get this book, and you can be out of here 
Um, I promised you 8.30. You got your 8.30. How can we get your book, and how can we – when are you launching your new book? Hey, Manny, my So my new book is called uh, Saved But in Prison, and it's how God delivered me from demonic forces. This is a book on deliverance and healing. It is a heavy book on warfare. Uh, the Lord had told me to separate and consecrate before I wrote this book. I had no idea why he was telling me that, but I didn't. And he said, the next book that you're going to write, I'm going to give you instructions, and you're going to write it, but in consecration, you need to be covered. Now I understand why. So this book is launching August 1st. I am going to have the pre-sale going on in the first week of July. We're going to open up for pre-sale, so there's going to be a form on my website um, that is uh, com. In that website, the first week of July, you can go on the link and see the, the form. There's a form that you fill out for the pre-order, to pre-order the book, the new book. You can also go to my website to get this book, From Existing to Living. You can buy it from the website or you can go on Amazon and get it there. We have it on ebook as well. And as I mentioned before, it's in Spanish also. If you know someone that's in, that speaks Spanish only, the book is in Spanish. This book, The uh, Stay But in Prison, is not in Spanish yet, but it is launching August 1st. I will be translating it with God's help in Spanish for this year. But it launches August 1st, and the pre-sale starts the first week of July. This Saturday, I'm going to be live on Facebook and on Instagram, and we're going to have the pre-launch, the book pre-launch party. That's when I'm going to speak about the book, and I'm also going to uh, do activities and do giveaways. So if you are available, join me on Facebook Live or Instagram, and I will be live on Saturday at 4 p.m. to talk a little bit about the book, and I have a few giveaways that are ex- exciting items available for you guys. So try to join me, but it is a book on deliverance, so look out for it. Amen, amen. Now, how do we get a hold of from existing to living? So from existing to living, you can get it in my website, com. You can buy it from there, or you can go to Amazon and get it there as well, and it's available for ebook. All right. I will post on our Face on my Facebook um, web uh, my Facebook website on my Facebook page, Minister Anna, you have been dynamic. I am so happy um, that we were able to have you on. Giving God thanks for your ministry, praying for your um, the launching of your book, praying for you know from existing to living to go forward, praying for your women's ministry, praying for your prison ministry you know, asking God to just cover you and just expand your territory, giving God thanks. Looking forward to the 29th, God spares, but we'll be in touch before then. And you have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Thank God for you. Enjoy. Have a blessed day, my sister. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening in, and I bless you all. God bless. All right. All right. Ooh, what a treat, what a treat, what a treat, giving God thanks for, you know, her imparting what God has given her into us. And that's only a taste, you know, uh, um, of what we're going to get on the 29th. 
Um, don't forget, our Pastor Charlene is a part of the lineup. Our Pastor Kim is actually flying in from Detroit. Now, that is love. She's coming in from Detroit to be with us. Our Elder Nitisha is is part of the lineup. Um, of, again, please keep her sister and her family in prayer. Haven't heard an update. We'll inquire. But, you know, giving God thanks that, you know, these powerful women of God will be used. You know, again, we're seen as the quote-unquote minority. Can you imagine that? We're the minority. Um, but God is really blessing us abundantly, blessing us abundantly. Uh, let us just say our prayer so that we can um, close early today and giving God thanks for all that he's done. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We thank you for just loving us in a special way. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for just waking us up and introducing us into your day. Thanking you, dear Heavenly Father, for just investing in us just one more time. One more time. You just did it again, and you do it again and again and again. We thank you for our minister, Baez, God. We thank you for what you've given her that she has shared with us, the Heavenly Father. We declare right now, God, that there will be lives changed. There will be some serious, serious contemplation of 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 taking assessment of where you are now in life. Where am I? Am I existing or am I living? And God, we pray that each and every day as we are on this broadcast, that even one person walking away asking that question would be pleasing in your sight. Thank you, Father, for using us. Thank you, Father, for choosing us. Thank you, God, how you cover us even in our disobedience. Even in the season of when we don't want to listen to you, you could have definitely taken us away from here. But, oh, giving you thanks today. How you consistently look beyond our faults and find our needs. Not only are you blessing us, God, but you're blessing those around us. Because if you remove us, then you remove the, remove the ministry. And it's not that you can't raise someone else. It's not that you haven't raised someone else while we were in, you know, a, a disobedient state. But you put us here to use us. And I pray that we all take that into great consideration. That the Great Commission is always in effect. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for just introducing yourself to us so that we can choose you, so that we can choose your Savior, your Son, God. You sent him here for our, just our wickedness, to reverse the curse of death where we would have an option to live or to die, to exist or to live. Thank you. Thank you that I have a, an opportunity at salvation. That I didn't have that before Jesus gave his life. That I wasn't even thought about 
when Jesus gave his life. But that opportunity is still made available to me. I pray that every one of us who hear this broadcast will say that. That it was available for me and now I'm going to take God at his word. Now I'm going to take that offer. An offer I can't refuse. Thank you, Father. We ask you to bless every listener. We ask you to bless every minister here today. That we would consult you in everything we do and that we will bless you by living according to your word. We give you the glory and the honor, so rightly do your name. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, 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 God is an amazing God. Giving him thanks for all that he has done. Giving, you know, God thanks for you and you hanging out with us each and every day. And we pray that God would bless your lives and, you know, do what you do in the Lord. Please be advised there will be no show tomorrow. We are on our way to a conference, and God is going to move greatly. Um, It's been a pleasure to even be a part of the um, planning committee. God is really going to move and God is going to use us to, you know, bless lives. So, you know, I give God thanks for that. So we will see you, God spares, on Monday morning. Uh, you know, plan to, uh, God spare your life, plan to be on with us, okay? You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of our heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank Minister Anna Baez for blessing our lives today. Go out and get that book, From Existing to Living. It's available on Amazon. I promise you it will be a great read and a blessing to your life. Thank you for hanging out with us all week and helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give your life to Christ right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to us. Until Monday, God spares. I can't wait to be back so we can shake the Monday morning blues together. Until then, I love you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? 
Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.